Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. If you've listened to this show long enough, you've heard me mention a handful of times that I work as a high school biology teacher for my regular day job. I really enjoy my job, and uh, one of the best parts of it is getting to know students. Of course, you know, I love the, the science part where I get to talk all about the natural world and work in uh, little conversations on hunting, fishing, shed hunting, uh, all sorts of stuff that I really enjoy doing. But... Truly, I enjoy getting to know the students. And uh, one of my most favorite things as a teacher is sometime down the road after students graduate and I haven't heard from them in a while, all of a sudden I'll get an email or a Facebook message or you know, a message on Instagram or something and uh, it'll be like, Hey, Bouch, how's it going? And uh, then I'll get to have this uh, cool conversation about what they've been up to what they're doing now that they're out of high school and uh, what their, uh, you know, what their path is. Well, that happened this week. A former student of mine that I got to know really well while we were in the same school together. And uh, he uh, contacted me and the conversation, of course, turned to hunting because he likes to hunt. And I asked him if he had done any more hunting yet this year or had any more hunting planned for this year. And he said something that all of us are probably starting to think about at this time of the year if we haven't already done what he's done and he said you know what Bouch I've already packed up all my hunting gear for the year and I gotta just focus on work yep word to that point almost there's still just a few last waning hours of hunting seasons left here in Iowa deer season's done pheasant season's done Uh, We do have a little bit of quail and squirrel and rabbit left, and, as is the topic of this episode, just a tiny little bit of waterfowl season left. Maybe your state, you still have, uh, if you're like Brandon, you still got a little bit of deer hunting left. Uh, Maybe you uh, even still have uh, some pheasant hunting left. I don't know. But uh, we're getting close to that inevitable end of the season. So what do we got to do next? Well... Brian and I will kind of talk about what our to-do list is here in just a few minutes. But I do want to focus on the last little bit of waterfowl season. If you're one of those people who loves to hunt, but you're much more interested in the waterfowl side of things, this one's going to be for you. Now, as we've said before, Brandon and I were pretty much total noobs when it comes to waterfowl hunting. I do plan to try and do it sometime, people. I really do. And maybe I just need to go down and see the guy who is our guest on this one, Mr. TJ Scott with Kilmo Ducks from the boot heel of southeast Missouri. And he is going to fill us in on his approach for having the most success during these last few days, really, that are left of the waterfowl season. So we hope you uh, tune into this one and learn just as much as Brandon and I did from TJ here on episode 37 of the First Gen Hunter Podcast.
Brandon, my late season friend, who I'm sort of <laughs> jealous of because I think you have a lot more deer hunting ahead of you than what I do. But uh, <laughs> no, it's been a good season. It's been a good season for sure. Yeah. Yes. But here we are. We stand at the very end. I mean, well, this episode will drop Thursday of this week by, let's see here, I think the 17th is a Sunday. So by Sunday, so three days after this episode drops, I will be done deer hunting for this season it'll be done i won't be able to yeah. go anymore i might be able to pick up like yeah. a you know a late season cwd antlerless tag or something like that but sure yeah i probably won't be able to do that this year and you know it'll just be time to start you know folding up the gear putting them back in the tubs and uh yeah. forgetting about it for a while you know yeah yeah i mean it's it's tough because you know it's 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 kind of sad, but then at the same time, you know, it's, it's good to have that mental break and, you know, be able to spend time with the family and kind of re, re and hopefully, you know, we've prioritized and, and you've done well in that, but it, you know, it's kind of good to have that little, you know, bit of a break. Yeah. Um, I think it's healthy, you know, part of the, even though it's tough to say goodbye to it for a little bit, it's healthy and it's a good thing, you know? So that's, I think it's a positive. Yeah, I think I like how you I like how you wear it. It's healthy. It is healthy. You can't hunt yeah. all the time. <laughs> you know, you can't right. can't can't be going out all the time for sure. Yeah. And uh yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a somebody who likes to I don't know, dabble in a whole bunch of other things, you know. I like I have yeah. I have all kinds of like side interests and stuff. Hunting is my most favorite thing yeah. to do, but and obviously, you know, we yeah. talked about how we both have some plans to do some shed hunting and we have some plans to you know, do some fishing and, yeah. you know, some, even some really early, early prep work for next deer season. I do yeah. want to do more of that this year. I do want to, you know, be a little more purposeful of getting stands, you know, stand areas ready to go and things like that. But I think I'm going to try and do some more reading this off season, you know? Oh yeah. Nice. There I, you go. I like to, I like to read, uh, stuff that, is wildlife based mm -hmm. but has a lot of historical value to it as well you know so okay. uh, yeah there you go so it's kind of interesting the timeliness of this um yeah a uh uh back in episode 19 with mr todd bogenschutz iowa dnr mm -hmm. the the upland biologist yep. there that was that was a cool episode man you know i've yeah. listened to that again just the the amount of information that guy <laughs> has yeah, stored he's, away he's in his intelligent mind. Intelligent individual, man. <laughs> yes, yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah. But uh, he recommended clear back. Remember when I was bugging out about my jackrabbit sighting from this last summer? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, probably one of my best life accomplishments. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was just right place, right time. But uh, yeah, man. he recommended this book to me. And it was written by, I believe it was a professor at the University of Iowa back in like maybe the 80s when the book was published, I think. Okay. And it's, it's um, I believe the title is A Country So Full of Game. And uh, what this guy did was he basically took a year off. Uh, you can He talks about it in the foreword of the book. And uh, took a year off from teaching like a sabbatical to go write this book. And he yeah. just went through as much historical, uh, as many historical accounts of wildlife um, that were recorded by 
not you know like actual bio wildlife biologists but like settlers mm-hmm. and trappers yeah. and uh even in some cases like land surveyors or explorers that were first mm-hmm. coming into iowa and settling the area and then you know kind of took it to i believe it eventually arrives at kind of a modern day uh telling well modern day is in the 80s and uh which is interesting too because if you go back to that episode we talk about how uh todd mentions that iowa i believe the year is 1995 since 1995 iowa has lost uh the equivalent of of uh habitat that would be a 10 mile wide band stretching from one end so the eastern end uh davenport Mm -hmm. iowa to council bluffs iowa which is way on the western end a 10 mile wide band and and that's if you know Iowa, Iowa's a pretty wow. good sized state. I mean, that's a yeah, that's a lot of surface area of habitat that's been gone. So it would be yeah. it'd be interesting. I don't know if the if the author is is still around or not, but it'd be interesting, you know, to even have this book updated to include yeah. that reality, you know, and and how much has changed since he he wrote this book. But right. it's it's yeah. just I've been kind of working through that book, and I started reading it a little bit this summer. But you know, once hunting season got around, and you know, yeah. work is going and everything, you got to cut some things out. And so, reading has kind of fallen by the wayside for me. But my wife and I, we have kind of uh, tried to create this. It's almost like a New Year's re- resolution, I guess you can say, where. Yeah. Um, for like 10 minutes every night before bed, we try to both, you know, have a book that we, we, uh, That's good. Yeah. we read. And so, you know, I've been picking through that a little bit and I'm, I'm hoping to, uh, not just that book, but several others I have on my list. I want to kind of hit this off season. You got any, uh, side interests or projects you're, you're going to work on? You know, honestly, uh, March and, uh, or I should say February and March, you know, I really, you know, have to you know really need to spend time with with the family you know it's i i felt really good about the 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 hunting season although i will say that normally this year was a little different in the sense that you know i felt very balanced and 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 whatnot usually in years past once the november shotgun season's over you know basically right around thanksgiving at that point i i typically in years past have really only gone out you know a handful more times um, you know, for the, for the rest of the season, this year right. has been a lot different, um, because we have had the, the Wi-Fi cams running, you know, for the first time we've really been making an effort for late season food sources and, um, getting deer on cam and, and we've had so many good shooters and had some close encounters and, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a, a more exciting than ever late season. So that's, you know, I, that's had me out more. And so I'm honestly just really looking forward to just a genuine break of, yeah you know, just spending time with the family, you know, uh, I think tomorrow night, I think my wife and I are going on a date, you know, just, you know, having someone, you know, come and and watch the kids. So, I mean, trying to just be proactive. I mean, it's the new year and, you know, just like, you know, we've, we're, you know, we talk about in, in a lot of our episodes, you know, time and the importance of being wise with it. And, you know, if, if, if you, if you let it, it slips right through your fingers, you know? And so, uh, importance of just enjoying it. And if you, if you're in the woods, you know, obviously we would encourage you, Hey, if you're in the woods, you're blessed to be out there. Enjoy it to its fullest. If, if you're at home with your family, enjoy it to the fullest, you know, that's, that's, you know, what, what, you know, one of the things that we should work to do. So I'm really looking forward to that, you know, beyond that, you know, it's, it's, and we've talked about this, you know, 
it just the, the I think the more what I've realized the more, the more passionate I get about it the more I'm the more I'm into it there's almost not an off season because you know you, you get you get a, a very small window you know if you're if you're hunting you know kind of all the species you know throughout the year I mean you get a really small window of like February and March and then April you know you've got your your turkey season April and May um, and then you get into June and you know yeah you're not hunting necessarily but you're doing a lot of prep work you're fishing and you're doing a lot of prep work for you know the the beginning of the next season with you know getting minerals mineral sites set up you know food sources set up so I mean it's kind of a even though you're not focused as much on it you know it, the 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 you know things continue so one thing that I'm really looking for Forward to and kind of making my goal going forward into next season is getting the kids more incorporated. Mm. Um, you know, my daughter is um, six going on, you know, will be seven this year. And yeah. my son is four going on five. But I mean, he's, he's just a, he's just a sharp, you know, mature young, young man and, you know, young boy and just, you know, excited to be able to get out there with me and was able to get him out there, you know, uh, for the first time this year. So looking forward to trying to get them out there more, really looking forward to being able to do more as a family um, especially once, you know, my, my youngest child gets a little older, you know, I would love to get, be able to get my wife, you know, into it more. And, uh, you know, I know just growing up, you know, the memories that we had as a family, um, with my mom really making an effort to get into it and all of us being out there and enjoying that together, that was really special because it wasn't like, oh, Hey, this is a, this is a dad and the guys thing. And mom staying home, you know, there were times where she was, you know, she was at home and she would, man, she would have an awesome dinner set for us when we got back. But there was, you know, more often times than not, she was out there with us and she was enjoying it. And so, you know, I want, you know, I want us to be able to experience that as a family too. So, you know, those are kind of some of the things I'm looking forward to as, uh, as we get into 2021 and, you know, and so hopefully, you know, that'll come to fruition, but in the, in the near term, definitely looking forward to, you know, those, those weekends where you can just truly relax, you know, I mean, this past Saturday I was up, you know, it was whatever it was, 25 degrees out, you know, and you're out, you know, you're getting up at four <laughs> o'clock in the morning to yep. get out there and, you know, and, and, it, and late season's tough. Cause I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of feast or famine, you know, if you're, you know, you're, you're trying to hunt food sources, you're trying to hunt travel patterns, but I mean, it's, you know, if you're seeing them, it's awesome, you know, and late season, you know, with deer hunting anyway, you know, you, a lot those does are going to regroup. They're going to be moving in, you know, in, in groups, you know, together, um, and so, you know, many times you'll see, you know, like on Friday morning, I had, uh, you know, I had seven does coming on me, you know, four of them real mature. One of them is just an, and I, I, I should have taken her, but you know, I, it was one of those situations where I, the shot was across a ditch, which was, was certainly legal. The, the land across the ditch was ours, but it's kind of a, it's, it's an interesting, like landlocked area over there. And the thought, and I was by myself, and I thought, man, if I shoot this deer, I not only am I gonna have to feed <laughs> through a deep ditch, I'm I'm gonna have to by myself somehow pull this thing back across this very yeah. steep ditch, um, and then pull it, you know, 400 yards back to the truck. I mean, it just. I thought, man, I'm going to, I will about kill myself if I do this. So, but I mean, but it was great, you know, I had seven of them right in front of me, you know, at 40 yards and, you know, it was using the Bushmaster and just, you know, and, and that's fun, you know, I had them in the sights and man, just enjoy it. And they were, they were actually in front of me. I saw them from a ways off and they were in front of me for about 25 minutes Wow. and, uh, just enjoyed it, you know? So, I mean, it was, you know, unfortunately the, you know, one of the bucks, one of the shooter bucks didn't show up, but that's all right. You know, we just really just 
you know, enjoyed that time out there. And, but you know, it's fun, but then, you know, the next day, man, we were really excited. You had a cold morning and man, didn't see anything morning, didn't see anything afternoon. And, you know, just, just how it goes. And then, so you do, you think forward to man, mid February, man, I can just, you know, I sleep in a little bit on Saturday <laughs> morning. That, that, that sounds a little nice, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, as the hunting season drags on the thing that always yeah. like, and again, I always want to preface my whining about hunting with the fact that, <laughs> dude, you're hunting. You know what I mean? I think sometimes yeah, you just yeah, hear right, guys right. like, yeah. oh, it's such a grind. Dude, yeah. you're hunting. But if, yeah, there's, right. if there's one thing that, that uh, kind of like gets me to like do it, one of those big sighs, you know, where you're just like, <laughs> <sighs> It's messing with all the hunting clothes. You know what I mean? Yeah, Just right, a, a right, season of yeah. being so careful with the scent-free yes. aspect. And and it's still important. It's still super important uh, that you, you try to be careful in that way. But, um, yeah. you know, it just get you get kind of, you get kind of, uh, it gets easy to cut corners. We'll say that, you know, it's yes. like you still gotta. And then of course, you know, you're getting dressed in the freezing cold and everything, pulling your cold clothes mm-hmm. out of the back of your truck. And, and <laughs> yeah, that's the part that this time of year that always just gets kind of tough for me. Or you, you know, yeah. you, you got to do your laundry. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, yep. I've hunted yep. these babies for a couple of weeks now. Mm-hmm. They're probably getting a little ripe, but better, uh, <laughs> I better, yeah, uh, right, right. <laughs> I better get them clean. So you got to yeah, unpack yeah. everything, repack everything. So that's the, yes. you know, I, I get, I'm, I'm picturing this feeling that you're talking about here and it's mm-hmm. honestly, it's a great feeling for me right now. The pressure is off with, with, yes. um, yeah, what a blessing with yeah. having that, that buck and, and, yes. um, got all the meat cut up. You know, that's another thing that, yeah. that has been a big part. And we've talked about this before, but it's been a big part of this hunting season was doing the processing part, um, here oh, at yeah. my house, you know? And, uh, one of the things we got to see through though yet is, uh, we are not a big ground meat family. So we do, mm. mm-hmm. Uh, the first year I shot a deer and I had it ground, uh, the place I took it to did not do a good job. The guy was super, mm. he was like super crabby when I called him and it was during, it was oh, during man. like one of the gun seasons. Like, dude, you're a, a meat processing plant and it's, yeah, it's one of the gun seasons. This is like your money making time of year. So he was like grumpy. Right. He wasn't careful. There was a ton of hair that they got in the meat all ground in with the, oh. the meat and it's like, it just no. wasn't, wasn't a good experience, and it kind of turned me yeah. out. You know, I, I, I've always, you know, I'll eat literally anything. But yeah. um, the, just the way they handled that ground meat just kind of turned me off to it a little bit. And and yeah. uh, my wife didn't grow up eating a lot of ground and, and uh, for beef or pork or anything, you know. Yeah. And so uh, what we do a lot of instead is stew meat. We like to eat a lot of chili. Okay. Uh, especially chili, venison chili. We eat a ton of venison chili. Oh, yeah. And um, just having that stew meat is so nice for that. So mm-hmm. we we aren't we haven't done a ton of ground. Well, then last year I shot that, that little button buck. That was the only deer I got last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took it to a different meat place, and this was like the opposite. This was like a high-dollar meat packing place. And I got the yeah. vibe that they don't do too many deer there. It's almost all like, no. you know, some farmer brings over a whole bunch of hogs and they slaughter all the hogs, yeah, that kind of right. thing. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. 
I bring it there, and uh, this is this place is not just like one guy. It's like a whole team. It's like you know five, ten people inside this plant, and uh, yeah, you know they're just circled up and 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 cutting pork all day long. Well, uh, I bring my deer there, and of course they have different options you can order and everything, and uh, I got deer brats is what I ordered, mm. and. Um, they're like, all right, what well, do you want to add any fat to it? And I was like, yeah, you know what, go ahead. And I don't like to add a lot of fat. I'm, I, yeah, I uh, agree with uh, people who say, uh, you know, at what point does this no longer become venison? You know, after you've put like, yeah, you know, right, fifty percent uh, <laughs> beef fat in it or something. So yeah, I, right, I'm pretty right. light on my on my uh, fat that I add. And uh, so mm-hmm. I, I ordered ten percent pork fat. Best okay. decision I ever made. That those brats, and it, you know, of course, it's like the the situation is like, well, you know, that's the fruit of your own labor. So of course, you think it tastes better, right? Because you want right, it, sure. you want it to taste better. You have, yeah, the, yeah. you have, <laughs> you spend all that money on it and time. But I'm telling yes. you, man, every time I opened up a pack of those brats and I mm. ate some of those brats, I said to myself and anyone else who cared to listen to me, these are the yeah. best brats I have ever eaten. Period. And it That's went awesome. that way until all the brats were gone. I mean, and I had other nice. people try them. And they're like, wow, those are just really good. And so nice. what I think I learned is, you know, obviously that place did a nice job handling my deer. But um, I also learned that uh, pork fat is mm. really good in venison. And so yeah. um, I have a, a friend who uh, had slaughtered a, a hog during this spring mm-hmm. and i figured he probably because he likes to process his own deer meat he's a big deer hunter yeah. actually it's the guy that i'm going to talk about later in this episode who nearly took his uh tip of his thumb off in his crossbow oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> he uh I, I i texted him i was like hey ronnie you got any uh got any pork fat left that i could buy off you and he uh that's awesome he, oh he's a good old boy from west virginia yeah and uh he he uh he's like He's like, oh sure, I got you know, I got plenty of, I got plenty of fat left for you, you know, and, and uh, so met up with him and and uh, he gave me a couple pounds of uh, hog fat that I'm gonna grind in because then we, uh, my wife has yeah. a has a KitchenAid, you know, like those big giant yes. mixers, and you can, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that thing's just basically a, a, you know, a motor for your kitchen, you know, yeah, and so. Yeah. Uh, they have a they have grinding attachments and so we uh, uh ordered a grinding attachment for the KitchenAid and uh nice you know so some point during this off season we get a little you know bored or something tired of reading yeah <laughs> i think i'll uh, <laughs> and if i'm not out shed hunting i plan to do quite a bit of shed hunting yes. but yes. i'm going to get out i'm going to fire up the old uh, meat grinder and uh hopefully uh do a bunch of ground i might even try and make some of my own brats so i'm uh I'm looking awesome, forward to man. that that side of it too this off season yes man that's awesome well you know it's cool to it's cool to you know experience those different things and then try to you know try something a little different you know and that's you know kind of just in theme of what we've been talking about is you know getting outside of the comfort zone sometimes outside of the comfort zone can be you know like you did, you know, processing your own deer and learning that and, and figuring things out and, you know, the, the things that that opens up and, you know, it's kind of cool how, you know, you take a, a little bit of a, a risk in the sense of, man, do I want to, do I want to 
just, you know, do the normal thing and allow, you know, uh, someone to process the deer? Do I want to, you know, do it myself and learn a little bit and figure it out? So kudos to you for, you know, being willing to do that and a good reminder to all the first-gen hunters out there. And, and even, you know, I look at myself, I've never butchered a deer. You know, I've always, hmm. you know, taken it to, to a local butcher, you know, sure. you know, just, just cause, you know, quite frankly, just cause I always have, you know, and at some point, you know, is honestly, even after, you know, I even saw the, the pictures of you doing, I was like, you know what, man, I really should just, I really should try it sometime. You know, there's a, tons of reading material. I've watched a lot of videos about it. You know, I've, I've read a lot about it, you know, man, you know what, I really should give that a try. That would be a lot of fun to experience that. So, I mean, I appreciate you being an encouragement to me to try to give something like that a try. Hey man, happy to happy to inspire any way I can. And honestly, you know the work it gives me an appreciation for butchers for one, just how efficient they are. Because it took mm-hmm. it took me a long time to get through that deer. Um, yeah, but what it does for you as a hunter, I yeah. think, is it really teaches you about the anatomy of that animal, and you know just how how they're built, how they work. And, uh, you know, where's a good shot, where's not a very good shot, you know, yeah. all that, how do you, do you not damage a bunch of meat that you want to keep, you know, that's yeah. the, just going through, just going through the, the literal process, right. The going yeah. through, through that is, it was a really educational thing, but I also learned that, um, you know, I was on Christmas vacation from school, from work at, uh, that time. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that was advantageous mm-hmm. because it does take a long time <laughs> and there's, there's, right. there's a, a lot of late nights. I think we were probably a little too picky when we were cleaning the meat and, and that, but, mm. but there's nothing wrong with that, you know? And, yeah, absolutely. and, uh, yeah. oh man, it was, it was a good experience. I, I'm, I'm glad I went through that and, um, you know, I'm looking forward to enjoying the fruits of my labor through the yes. remainder of uh, the off season. But um, yeah, man. You know, just to kind of segue this this conversation, so we can get to our interview here on uh, on yeah. waterfowl hunting. You mentioned going out of our comfort zones, and mm. uh, that's what we did again with this episode. I'm going to say it now. I say it again in in here and you might notice a few awkward pauses. I'm trying to figure out how to ask questions. (laughs) I'm trying my best, right? I'm trying, I'm trying to, to, to do a good job. Thankfully, Brandon's here because he has some waterfowl experience. I have zero waterfowl hunting experience people, but I'm not (laughs) going to let that deter first gen hunter from being a resource for me. Because I need to give it a try, mm-hmm. but also for any sure. of you who do enjoy waterfowl hunting or want, you know, really want to go waterfowl hunting and have that experience out, out, uh, you know, in a marsh somewhere or, or uh, yeah. I, I like as as TJ calls them pits. Uh, if you if you uh, <laughs> if you uh, are looking forward to that, I certainly don't want my inexperience to hinder you from from learning what you need to hear, and so. Uh, Brandon and I, we brought in another expert. We've had Dave Stollard from the Call Outdoors previously, who uh, was just a a tremendous resource, and we're definitely going to bring him back Mm -hmm. on the show sometime. Um, But we went to another guy who uh, runs a pretty big guide outfit down in, he calls it the Boot Heel of Missouri, Mm -hmm. down in southeastern Missouri. And uh, it sounds like he... He farms and and uh, hunts. What was what did he say about six thousand acres uh, down there in yeah, in southeastern? Incredible. Yeah, just an incredible outfit he's got going. Uh, known as 
His name is TJ Scott, and he's from Kill Mo, so K-I-L-L space M-O for Missouri, of course, but also sounds cool. Kill Mo Ducks. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. he comes on and just gives us an excellent interview on what hunting uh, the late season is like for waterfowlers. So I'm, yep. uh, I'm excited for you guys. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I can't wait to uh, listen to mm-hmm. it again after this episode drops and when I'm editing it, but, um, ton of great information here that, uh, it's another one of those episodes that if you're looking to get into this and, uh, if you listen to this episode, I am confident again, I haven't hunted waterfowl myself, but I'm pretty <laughs> confident that it'll set you a couple of years ahead of the uh, curve yeah. if you're uh, brand new to it. Just uh, picking up some of these tips here that TJ lays down for us. So without any further ado, Brandon and I are going to we're gonna be quiet now. Well, sort of, because then you'll hear us talking on the interview. But we're mm-hmm. going we're gonna to let you get to the interview with... Uh, Mr. Uh, T.J. Scott here from Kilmo Ducks. Thanks for tuning in, guys. All right, first geners, listen up for a minute. New year, new opportunities, right? Should be. I'm speaking to myself here as well. Hunting is filled with many great traditions that we can enjoy year in and year out, but sometimes it's good to branch out. One of those ways to branch out is through trying something new. And by that I mean it's good to look at hunting somewhere new. The interviews on out-of-state tag applications with our friend Alex Gruen of East to West Hunts have been quite popular, which tells me that people are looking hard at hunting some new country. Well, just to give you that little extra nudge to start making plans to complete your dream hunt, Alex is offering a 10% discount off of his tag application and hunt planning services for First Gen Hunter podcast listeners. All you got to do is head to his website, alexgruen.com, choose the service you need, and check out with the promo code FIRSTGEN10. All one word, capital F, I R S T, capital G E N, the number 10. And again, you can find Alex and order his services at alexgruen.com. A L E X G R U I N.com. And don't forget to use the promo code FIRSTGEN10 at checkout to save 10% and to get going on that bucket list hunt you've been dreaming of well folks pheasant season deer season and well those are really the main ones they are officially in the books here in iowa and uh there's not much left there's a little bit of rabbit hunting left There's a little bit of squirrel hunting left, and there's just a tiny bit, just a a few weekends, and I think it's even location-dependent, a little bit of waterfowl hunting left. What's going on in your neck of the woods, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, we're still, we've still got a few weekends left of deer hunting, 
um, here in Delaware, you know, goes until the end of January. Um, got a, you know, a few more weeks of gun left and can use bow as well, muzzleloader. Um, and then, you know, we've got the small game hunting. Some of the small game actually goes until mid-February here. Um, oh, okay. So we're blessed with a, yeah, we're blessed with a, um, a little bit of a longer season. Interestingly, you know, just as we, with all, we've had so much rain here in Delaware this year that a couple of our areas, um, have flooded out where we'll, we're, we'll deer hunt. We'll still deer hunting there. Well, you know, the other day I was walking in, uh, and I kicked up like 20 ducks, just back in the flooded timber. I mean, it just looks, it just wow. looks like a scene out of Arkansas on there, you know, just flooded timber, you know, it's just, and it stayed flooded the entire season. So, I mean, the, the, the ducks have found their way in there and, you know, so I'm, I'm excited uh, for our conversation tonight about waterfowl and man, maybe I'll get in there into, into the flooded timber and see what we can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a perfect preview, a perfect introduction for the guy that we brought on tonight. You may have noticed both Brandon and I mentioned waterfowl and hopefully you noticed the title of the episode, which has something to do with waterfowl. And if you listen to, what is it, Brandon, maybe episode 24, 20, yeah, yeah 5, 24, 25, somewhere in that range, yeah. we talked to Dave Stollard from the Call Outdoors, mm -hmm. but other than yep. that, we have not had much waterfowl content, and that is because Brandon and I, we just do not have much waterfowl experience, and we're not mm -hmm. going to pretend that we do here. So mm -hmm. we had to seek out a true waterfowl expert another one and uh we figured that there are probably still a few uh a few uh people who have their sea legs left this time of year and like to be out in the water more than they do in a deer stand and uh, are, are still trying to uh catch the last few weekends of uh migratory birds wherever they're hunting and we brought on mm -hmm. mr tj scott who is a waterfowl guide at kilmo ducks down in southeastern Missouri. TJ, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, lending some words of wisdom to a couple of waterfowl greenhorns. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to uh, to be on. It's it's an honor. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, when I when I get people like TJ to uh, come on the show, you know, uh, this is all done remotely, and you know, hopefully in the future, post. Uh, uh, COVID days, we'll be able to do some more in-person interviews and things like that, mm -hmm. but do a little more traveling or something. But, um, you know, we don't get to meet these people in person and a big way that we kind of get to figure them out is we go on their social media pages. We go on their websites and uh, I try to share those things with Brandon as I set up these interviews. And one of the first things Brandon said when I shared uh, TJ's website is like, wow, nice, nice website. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he looks like you run a pretty, uh, pretty clean operation down there in Missouri. And uh, Brandon and I might have to come take a not too far of a road trip for me anyways, uh, but a trip there down you to see you here one of these years and learn how to shoot some ducks. Hey, man, that, that would be outstanding. I can, uh, I can surely keep, take care of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, we'd love to do that. Now, uh, just in talking before the show, uh, you, you mentioned to Brandon me that, I mean, obviously the guiding part of what you do is, is really important to you and a big part of what you do for a job. But, uh, uh, farming is another thing that, that you're doing down there in Missouri. Can you kind of, uh, give us a rundown of the type of farming you're doing? Yes. I'm a fourth, fourth generation farmer, um, second wow. generation rice farmer. 
So oh, I farm okay. in southeast Missouri with my dad on our on our family farm. Um, we farm about six thousand acres of of rice and soybeans. Wow! And then uh, wow, duck hunt all winter. So I I stay busy. Yeah, 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 I'm sure you do. That's really cool. Wow, the rice farmer, farmer. There's not too many of those in the Midwest. I don't, I'm not aware of any rice farms actually in Iowa. There might be some, but uh, that's pretty cool. Now, uh, do you guys do any other uh, uh, hunting down there other than waterfowl? Do you guys do turkeys or deer? Turkey. That's one um, one habit I I've never got into because <laughs> I'm always busy. I'm always busy spring and fall. So sure. I, you know, I'm not able to, right. to do turkey hunting, but we do we do shoot a lot of dove and um, and we deer hunt. But duck hunting's our passion. That's where um, that's where our heart stays. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. That's that's uh, totally understandable. You can't do it all. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> just because Brandon and I are a couple of deer nuts, can you give us any good deer stories real quick from this season? Ooh, I was on a podcast with a, a friend of mine. Uh, he actually has a podcast, local local friend of mm-hmm. mine. Sure. And he invited me on his um, on his podcast, and I get up there, and he done shot his finger with a bow. He he his crossbow, you know, and he done cut half his finger off. Oh man! Oh, no. Ouch! So, uh, that's that's about the highlight I have this year. <laughs> oh, oh no, man! Oh, that's 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 terrible. But you see stuff on social media of guys doing that, and it's man, you, you actually hear of. You know, and someone that did, oh man, is what, so what ended up happening? Did he, did he lose? He truly lost part of his thumb. Um, well, we'd done the podcast. He, he had done it just like an hour before I got there. He was, oh, hunting that man. yeah, we went through the podcast and then we got that over with. And I think he went to the doctor the next day. <laughs> that's some dedication, man. That's like that's, podcaster yeah, that's a, that's of the year right there. there. Wow. Yeah. Right. I haven't. <laughs> We, we grow them tough in Southeast Missouri. You got to be pretty tough to be born and raised around here. Yeah. It yeah, sounds like goodness. it, man. Oh, goodness, yeah. I, uh, I had a neighbor who, um, did that to his thumb. We used to, we used to enjoy, you know, doing a little target practice together. And he texted me one day and showed me his fingernail all mangled after he, uh, left it sticking up a little bit too high when he was shooting his crossbow. And that's, that's some pretty wicked oh. stuff that, that, oh. uh, those strings can can inflict on somebody so mm-hmm. yeah i'll take the uh good old forearm uh what do they call it a twang forearm twang when you uh snap <laughs> yourself with your compound string over a uh, right. severed yeah. thumb with a crossbow yeah, no kidding man mm. that's that's pretty that's pretty rough well hopefully well, this is just another reason why you <laughs> stick with the duck hunting so <laughs> yeah <laughs> Although I have heard of guys trimming their toes uh, in those coffin blinds out there when they're doing a little, uh, I think it's, what is it, snow goose hunting usually when people are using those out in the cornfields? Yes, we actually, well, we, we do a little bit of duck hunting and we kill a lot of specks in the in the layouts. Um, actually, that's what I was doing this evening was was laying out and shooting a few speck of belly geese in our layout mm. boats. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah, I've heard, uh, you know, guys just... They don't have their safety on or whatever, and they're sliding their gun up to, to you know, get a shot off real quick, and they just they hit that trigger a little too early and catch their toes. So there's, it's a good reminder, good good way, <laughs> interesting way we started the show, but a good reminder for mm-hmm. sure that you know safety is the most important part of it all. So yep, yep. Well, 
as I said, Brandon and I, we have very little experience with waterfowl hunting. I have zero experience with waterfowl hunting other than just, I do have quite a few friends who are into it. Um, but it's waterfowl hunting has kind of been the same deal for me that turkey hunting sounds like has been for TJ where, uh, there's only so much you can do. And, um, yeah. You know, you, you, you can't always fit everything in and, you know, maybe one of these years I'll uh, actually be able to fill, you know, my archery tag in October and, uh, <laughs> have a little extra time right. on my hands in the fall and be able to do a little waterfowl yeah. hunting. I'd like to do that, but no, that's, let's, uh, go ahead and start here. Just the, in the title of this episode is going to be something along the lines of late season waterfowl hunting. And so I want to really start there, TJ. What is going on in the waterfowl season at this point in the year? Can you kind of just paint this picture for us about what, what waterfowling looks like right now? Well, I'm fixing to give a little bit of bad news, I guess, a, a negative note. But And I'm not a negative person at all. I'm a very positive person. But I've talked to people from Canada all the way to Louisiana. And in the waterfowl industry right now, it's been a very poor season. Oh um, man, it's unfortunate, but it's it's the it's reality of of what's going on in the waterfowl industry right now. Wow, what are what are they? What what are is anyone attributing it to you know certain factors, or we think? Well, my personal opinion ended up being shut down because of the coronavirus. Mm. There was a lot of outfits up there that that didn't hunt, and sure. I don't believe they got chased south like they normally would have sure mm-hmm. sure and yeah. of course the weather the weather always plays a factor but on a positive note it has improved i mean the last two days have have really gotten better i guess you Good. could say um we're on the way up but but overall it's just been a it's been a tough year that's a really interesting mm-hmm. cause and effect there that you mentioned with uh yeah because uh, i have uh i I want to say maybe Brandon, you weren't with with me on this one. I think it was uh, when I interviewed uh, Jeff Boer from uh, Wild Dakota TV up there in South Dakota. He mentioned mm-hmm. pretty much that same phenomenon, you know, going on with uh, pheasant hunting outfits up there in South Dakota. Just so many of their, you know, normal schedule filling events were getting canceled, and and. Yep. Uh, but I never thought of that. How would that impact, you know, how would the lack of hunting pressure impact the migration of birds? That's, that's really interesting that you bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a pressure. Hunting pressure is a, is the key factor in my opinion on, on ducks and geese. I mean, um, you can change the way that, that they fly. You can change, you know, you get too many hunters in one area and and you can make that area cold for the next 10 years i mean wow. There, wow there's a lot there's a lot of of the pressure that has to do with ducks no doubt yeah yeah how how, how is um can i ask just in terms of the outfitting side of things has has it been as business you know dropped off this year a little bit because of covid and and, and whatnot in terms of people willing to schedule and things like that or is it is it kind of been a, a pretty typical year for you it's been a very typical, I'd say above, above a typical year. I mean, oh, um, I've turned, I've good. turned away business than I booked, no doubt. Wow. Okay. Wow. Well, that's a blessing. It is. It is. It's just, you know, when you're not shooting as many ducks as you normally do, 
Right. You're reluctant to book a whole bunch of hunts, you know, and I'm just yeah. honest with them. I'm like, hey, guys, look, we haven't had a good week, you know. Yeah. Encourage you to reschedule and, and I, yeah. I, mean, I take, take care of my clients. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, you're, you're trying to be honest and, and obviously run a business. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. So, well, hopefully one year when there's a down year like this and maybe not as many birds are getting, getting shot, maybe that'll hopefully be a good rebound year to follow up in, uh, you know, yeah. fall of 2021. So. No doubt. It'll work out. I mean, we've been shooting these speckled belly geese and, and, um, you know, I don't mean to start off on a negative note or, or be negative because I, I mean, I get to hunt for and get paid to do it, so I can't complain too much. <laughs> no, I, I think it's good to hear hear these reports because yeah. you know that's where we can almost that's where we can almost uh, draw a fault, I guess you could say, on ourselves here, where um, where we do just try to focus on the positives too much, and sometimes you do need to you do need to hear what reality is, and sometimes reality yeah. isn't so pretty. And so, uh, mm-hmm. no, we're glad we're glad you shared that with us. That's a that's a really interesting uh, point, and honestly, it's something I can uh, take into my biology classroom, and uh, yeah. you know, bring up as an interesting point for uh, an ecology lesson there and animal behavior. Uh, well, let's just kind of continue on with that. Um, what so you you mentioned you're shooting speckled bellies right now um are there any other species that that are pretty common for for uh, duck hunters especially in kind of the i guess you're probably you would consider yourself more of the south than the south midwest um what what other species can someone expect kind of in that region um as far as geese we shoot we shoot uh, snow geese and speckled belly geese they're, the snow geese are almost a nuisance. I mean, we can't even mm. plant wheat, wheat around because they just they eat it and tear it up. Really? And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And as far as the ducks, um, we shoot puddle ducks, mallards, teal, you know, uh, pintail, wedge, gadwall. But mallards is always, you know, that's that's what we're always after. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, do you, have you found that clients are really? Uh, particular about what they're looking after or are they more so just looking to get the guns going most of them are looking to to, to just get away you know just a yeah. guy's in or a, a father son and and possibly you know the cousin or nephew um most of them are just looking to get away they're sure. just all mm-hmm. great great guys i have I, I haven't had a bad group ever i mean yeah. just that's just um that's the truth but that's awesome. they, there's, some, yeah. there's some groups that come in, you know, a guy will say, Hey man, I really want to kill a pintail, you know, and, and I do my best to get him on, you know, that particular species. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but they're always happy. I mean, they, they're just yeah. happy to get out and, and they, they see my transparency and, and they know that, um, that I do work hard for them. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that's, that's really awesome because, you know, I, I can, I, you know, I can tell you that I've had, you know, gr- growing up, you know, I know Kent hasn't had a lot of experience and I haven't had a lot of experience at all either. Um, but, you know, just kind of growing up, we we would do a lot of snow goose hunting when I was younger. I mean, we were figuring it out. I mean, me and my brothers, you know, we were, I mean, we were teenagers out there with goose calls and just kind of learning as we go. And, you know, it had a little bit of success, nothing crazy, but, you know, enough to kind of keep us going and whatnot. And, you know, I remember one year I, uh, I booked a, a hunt for my, my brothers, myself and my father, um, to go out and do a duck hunt, you know, a flooded field, you know, whatever. And I mean, it was our first, it was our first 
guided, um, I think it was that maybe one of our first guided hunts ever, you know, period. And, you know, so we, we went out, we were super excited and I mean, it was just a total letdown. The guide was, you know, just a dishonest guy and it just didn't work out. And so it's, I mean, it's really cool to hear your perspective of just being real, being honest with guys and saying, Hey, Hey, the birds, you know, aren't maybe not, maybe not flying real great. Right. Hey, I'm t- happy to take you out, but here's the reality of the situation. So, I mean, it's, and, and I mean, what that does, you know, in terms of managing expectation. And then, the, like you said, these guys are still having a great time. They're getting out, they're having fun together. I mean, and obviously it, it helps you enjoy it too. So, I mean, that's just really cool that you're reflecting so positively on the, the guys that you're able to get out there. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I enjoy them. I really do. I, it's like hunting with your friends, you know, it's yeah. just, uh, that's how it is. And, my dad told me my whole life, if you do right by people, do the right thing, the rest works itself out. And I believe mm. that with all my heart. You know, if you just do the right thing, the rest of it does, takes care of itself. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good advice. Well, yeah. uh, let's, let's talk a little bit here about, um, you know, what's going on as far as migrations go. Have, have those pretty much you know, halted for the year and birds are kind of where they're going to be at this point, or are there still more birds coming in even now as the, the season kind of winds down here in the last few weeks? The migration is very weather dependent where I'm at in Southeast Missouri. We may get below freezing. Like tonight we're going to be, you know, 28 degrees, but we're in that Goldilocks zone where when we do freeze up, we don't, we don't stay frozen, you know, maybe a day tops and so it's very much it's very weather dependent you know just Mm -hmm. north of me around st louis they will get a freeze for a week and Mm -hmm. so if they get that hard freeze you know say this this week for example those ducks will keep on pushing south so we'll see that migration a steady flow all the way through the end of duck season and then they start coming back then they'll start coming back from the south headed back north and that's when they're Mm. easier to kill they're easier to kill like that because they they're very responsive to the call and and um they're usually paired up you know starting to pair up and they're just a lot easier to work Hmm. very interesting yeah so so would you say i mean in terms of like the ideal weather pattern for this time of year what's what what would be like a picture perfect like you know start to the new year type of weather that's a good question um about about like it is right now i would like to see it frozen the biggest part of missouri to be you know, froze. When I say froze, mm-hmm. I'm talking snow, ice, you know, mm-hmm. good cold weather. And that would be ideal. But it's going to be 28 tonight. And so it's perfect. I mean, it's perfect. Nice. Yeah, it's perfect. So you're saying you're saying tomorrow morning should be pretty good. Tomorrow morning is going to be good. I'm The amount of birds I've seen in the area this evening, tomorrow is going to be a banger. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Wish, wish I could, uh, go work with you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. No kidding, man. Seriously. <laughs> uh, Coronavirus, you know, just yeah. come on down. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually, you the say that. Type of quarantine. <laughs> yeah. You say that. I just got test results back today that I am clean as a whistle for, uh, COVID. I think I, I think I just got my first cold though, since, um, I think I I don't think I've been sick since February of last of last year, so uh, nice. That's pretty good record for me. But yeah, so yeah. so I don't think I'll be able to claim the COVID thing now. <laughs> but well, let's uh, you, you know that's 
that's that's really good information there on the on the migration thing because that seems like it'd be a really unique time in the year you know where that that in between time of the last few birds are headed down now that you know i don't i guess i don't know how long it is before they start heading back north like you mentioned but does this because of this time of the year and getting to these lower temperatures and everything does that really and and probably also part of it is people are just sad to see the season go does the late season fill up with a lot of hunters this time of year Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying this episode here with TJ from Kilmo Ducks. Now, I'm going to change gears here a little bit on you, and i got to talk about what I know. Um, as I've said before, I, I just don't know very much about waterfowl hunting. I'm hoping that'll change as the years go on, and I actually get some uh, duck hunts, some goose hunts under my belt for myself, and then I can maybe even uh, offer some advice to somebody. But until that day, I feel if I'm going to give a tip of the day, it better be on something I know. Here's something I know. This time of year is the time of year a lot of people don't like being outside. It's cold. It's icy. Uh, sometimes it's like the, the classic uh, Midwest meme that says something to the effect of, why do I live where the air hurts my face? Well, whatever your reason is, a lot of times people don't like going outside this time of year, but I actually love it. There's many reasons. Uh, as you know, I'm addicted to shed hunting. And uh, the other reason is I get kind of like a little bit of cabin fever if I'm indoors too many days in a row. And finally, the opportunity for scouting this time of year, especially when there's some snow on the ground. Here in Iowa, we got dumped on a few weeks ago, and since it was at that point in the year where we still got a, most days ahead of us are going to be below freezing for the remainder of the winter, the snow is going to stick around. And I love that because it provides so many excellent scouting opportunities. Unlike any other time of the year, deer tracks are going to stand out really, really well this time of year. In fact, if uh, you've been following my social media pages, you will know that I shared a post uh, maybe a week and a half ago. I went out and did some very early shed hunting, and man, did I come across deer sign. I figured out all sorts of cool things about what deer were doing this time of year in this uh, specific area that I've been shed hunting for uh, many years now. And I would advise you to do the same. You might not find any sheds. It might be a little bit too early. Now, don't don't go crazy. Don't go trudging all over the best spots of the timber because uh, you don't want to bump deer and not get a chance to find their sheds. But you should at least try to get out and figure out what their travel routes are. Now, if you're like me in your state, deer season is closed for you. That's okay because this is information for next year. Maybe you find yourself in a position that Brandon's in where you just haven't had a great opportunity to harvest a target buck yet. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, you normally would have tagged out in, we'll say, November, but you got to hunt in January. Well, if you had put in the time to get out and see what the deer are doing this time of year by using the snow as a good, uh, a good medium for tracking, then uh, you'll be set. You'll be able to 
You'll be able to make the right predictions of where the movement's going to be and, uh, you know, set up in that perfect ambushing spot. So that's your tip of the day. Make sure you use the snow as a great opportunity for some excellent late season scouting uh, this time of the year. Well, let's go ahead and uh, join back in here with TJ and Brandon on our discussion on late season waterfowl hunting. Um, we have a, there's plenty of hunters in the area. Um, we lease, lease duck pits, you know, by season. And there's a lot of other farmers and landowners in the area that do the same thing. And so as far as the hunting hunters in the area, it's a pretty steady, I guess, amount you could say. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't really increase any or, or, or decrease very much. It's just, a. We stay pretty busy. I mean, yeah. some people claim that uh, Southeast Missouri is the new Stuttgart, um, and I and I I believe that to an extent. Hmm, that's interesting. Is there, and would you say is there is there a lot of competition in terms of like local outfitters? You know, in that area, or how's how's that work for you? The outfitters in the area, there's actually um, three different outfitters that lease pits from me. And oh, so, okay. Yeah, so they're they're friends. I mean, they've been yeah. leasing pits from me for for my dad even you know 15 years ago and so um, sure but i'm i'm fortunate to be the only i guess in-state hometown boy that has Mm -hmm. an outfit so that Mm kind of gives me an edge you know you go to go to key west florida you you if you can get a tour guide you want it to be a local you know what i mean yeah 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 that's um where i i have a little bit of a upper hand yeah for sure for sure, yeah. Those are the those are the most uh, successful guides, are the ones who uh, really really know the water. In fact, uh, yep. One time, I my uh, father in law and brother in law we went on a uh, salmon charter in uh, Lake Ontario, and uh, it's actually one of the best birthday gifts I've ever been given. It was a ton of fun, and uh, yeah. the I guess they call him what the first mate on the on the mm-hmm. charter. He was a guy like that where he was from this area. He he knew this water really well. And uh he was talking about actually it was the captain who was talking him up. Um mentioned that this guy had uh just won this it's, I think it's like the biggest one of the biggest salmon uh tournaments on Lake Ontario. I mean just tons of people from both Canada and the US side of the the lake. Wow. And uh they had the smallest boat uh, in the entire tournament, you're talking like, you know, probably over a thousand boats or something like yeah. that. And, uh, <laughs> the, he, he won the whole tournament because he just knew where, to, where to catch the fish, you know? And it was, wow, it was, awesome. it was like what TJ's talking about that, that yeah. local knowledge that just stands out mm-hmm. so well. That's, that's a, yeah. that's a great point. You can't, you can't buy that. You can't, there's nothing you can do to, to, compensate for that kind of time so uh, that's a a great point well now that we're now we kind of have this idea of what late season looks like here um and and you know there's just still so much that (laughs) i need to learn on the topic there's there's just no question here uh but uh, 
let's talk a little bit about some different tactics, you know. So I almost kind of did this outline as a if from a deer hunter's mindset, you know, so pardon me if my, if my questions kind of sound a little bit more well-suited for a tree stand than a duck blind, but, uh, let's, let's just kind of take a look at how you hunt this time of year. So are you, you know, one of the things as a deer hunter that you're always going to hear for the late seasons, you got to prioritize food. Do waterfowl hunters do that same thing? Are they looking at food sources as a, as a place that they need to be to find birds this time of year? Oh, no doubt. I mean, um, it's just like anything, you know, they got to eat. I mean, that's sure. what, um, that's what makes Southeast Missouri or, or Stuttgart or, or anywhere in between. That's what, you know, the, we are able to flood our rice fields. And so there's plenty of rice on the ground, you know, from whenever we harvested it. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that, that the food source is a major, major, key impact i mean it's it's huge you know um so yeah the, you're looking at the kind of field you know say if it's a rice field obviously there's plenty of food out there for them you know and you can flood it also if it's a soybean field you, you know soybean fields aren't quite as um attractive just because the soybeans there's not as many out there and it, they don't last as long you know sure. they're rot right uh, or corn you know there's some flooded corn some guys do really well in flooded corn in the northern part of missouri but um yeah i mean the food is is a big deal hmm. that's a good point so kind of prioritizing in that order then rice corn and then maybe soybeans is, is kind of how you look at it yes or millet you know um, we actually plant i actually have two fields that um has standing millet and we planted the millet as a cover crop because we we weren't we didn't get the field planted this spring, and sure. so we planted the millet crop. So we're able to flood that millet, kind of a loophole in the in the law. I mean, it's not illegal, but it's just a loophole. Hmm. That's yeah. That's really interesting. So is it kind of like uh, you know? I guess in in Brandon, you could you could add here too a little bit, but mm-hmm. here in in Iowa, you know, or even even in Illinois, um, you're deer hunting. And uh, you're not seeing deer on a food source that you would expect them to be on. You know, you you're like almost drooling over it the night before. You're like, I know this this uh, cornfield that's you know hasn't been tilled or anything, hasn't had any anhydrous injected. You know, there should be plenty of corn on the ground. And then you show up there and there's nothing there. <laughs> Does that happen with waterfowl too? And then is it almost like at that point? do you do you kind of then go to your next food source on your list or is it just uh you know what maybe i just need to hang on here and maybe they're running a little bit late i mean how do you adjust to something like that with waterfowl this time of year there's always fields i mean i could have two 80 acre fields side by side and i I have many of these side by side and Mm -hmm. the ducks will hit the south 80 every time before they were the north 80 it's hmm. just um it, it's if it's the field they like i mean the two wow. fields could be planted the same could have the same everything and um but that that south field is the one they like hmm. so that's again where i kind of have the upper hand knowing that i'm from the area these are my fields you know i know which which fields the ducks like and um, yeah and i'm and i'm able to keep a rotation there again the pressure plays a huge part on on your your success you know you could shoot yeah. a field out and you can ruin it and yeah. so i'm able to 
keep rotation, keep um, keep hot fields, you know. And uh, it doesn't always work, but but yeah, it, if you're on the X that day, you're on the X. But yeah, um, there's other fields that are, that'll never have an X on it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good point. So, will will you uh, will you rotate quite a bit then? I mean, is are you hunting the same field basically all day long, or is it? you know, a couple hours here, then a couple hours to that north field you mentioned, and then maybe drive down the road a little bit. How do you kind of handle that? It just depends on the birds. If, if I feel like I have a decent morning, you know, we'll hunt from say 6 a.m. until noon or till mm-hmm. about 11, and then we'll quit and we won't hunt the rest of the day, especially if we shoot ducks that morning. Yeah. Um, if we have a slow morning, then that afternoon we'll hunt a different field, you know, or we may go back to the same field, but but yeah, I keep a rotation. I mean, um, it, that, that's, that's what, that's why I kill, you know, more ducks than, than anybody in the area, just because I have the abundance of fields. Whereas an outfitter yeah. comes, he leases one or two fields and that's all, that's all the right. options. You know, he don't have any more, no, nowhere else to go. Sure. Now, TJ, are you, are you doing a lot of scouting in the evenings? Like, I know you mentioned like tonight, you know, you saw the birds you saw around, are you, are you, you know, making the way around basically looking to see where they're likely to be the, the next morning or how does that work for you? Man, I have, um, I do, I, I do guide and I did guide this afternoon, but I'd say this season I've maybe guided maybe a half dozen hunts. That's all I do is, uh, um, I'm on the road, you know, scouting, figuring out where to go, talking to people, yeah. um, working on with the MDC, Missouri Department of Conservation for the future. Um, I yeah. have, I have about four different full-time guides that's working for me and, and, um, they're the reason why the business is so big. I rely on them heavy cause I'm, yeah. I'm not able to do it all, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of running point to, you know, kind of direct them where to go, where the birds are, are moving and, and with your contacts and everything, you're able to direct them accordingly. Yes. Yes. It's kind of like, um, very similar to the farm. You know, I yeah. farm now. I don't, I don't get to drive a tractor very much. And yeah. it's the same way I run a guide now, but I don't get to go hunt very much. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, do you, do you, you ever, you know, just go out and, and just, you know, do you, do you try to make it a point to have a, a hunt or two a season for just yourself to be able to go out and enjoy a little bit? Unfortunately, I. I don't make the time like I should. Um, I'm still young. I'm only 30. And, um, yeah, you know, I feel like I got all the time in the world, but I need to, uh, do better about slowing down and yeah. taking my hunting and, and just, I need to get myself in a, in a slower gear sometimes. I'm working yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I hear you. Work in progress. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I've, I've heard, uh, other guides mention that too, that it's just, it's hard to get that time to, to, partake yourself but yeah i hope you i hope you are able to do that let's uh let's take a look here now at at um t- just terrain features specifically and i kind of thought of this when uh you were mentioning how that south field just always you know you, you said basically everything is the same except for one is located to the south and one is located to the north and the birds just preferred the one and they always have for for years are there certain kinds of terrain features that you're that maybe affect that or um that you you know let's say if maybe you didn't have your um your normal farms to 
to uh, hunt and you had to go to a, a maybe you were going to another state even you know and and uh, you're on vacation or something or somebody invites you uh somewhere out of state uh, what are there any kind of terrain features that you're going to prioritize for that you're you would think to yourself okay that's going to be a good that's going to be a hot field the way ducks are is they're it's genetics and so they're a great 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 grandpa you know as far as what way we would look at it had mm-hmm. had hit this had hit this field you know 40 years ago well but 40 years ago it wasn't a field it was an old slough and hmm. so since then that, that land has been cleared out you know probably longer than 40 years honestly you're talking you know even 100 years or plus sure. but um yeah the old the old sloughs they would you know they, they've, they've been cleared out the ground has been leveled you know the trees are long gone but that old slough is where that duck knows it needs to come back to hmm. and that's Very the same interesting. Way arkansas, arkansas is the same way it's just where again i benefit by being from here um mm-hmm. I didn't see all the old trees. The trees have been long gone before my time, but my grandpa did, you know, and I just know where the old sloughs and the old pockets used to be. Mm. That's very really interesting. interesting. I've never heard that before. <laughs> it's almost kind of like it's a, a uh, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like the, almost the like rice. a a salmon type of thing, you know. Yeah, well, mm. the rice. You know, I even when I was a real young kid, you know, we were still new to rice farming here in southeast Missouri. But we would farm dryland soybeans. Well, back then we would we would know where the water would puddle at, and so we would hunt those same old sloughs, you know. And then again, whenever the ground got leveled and and you know started farming rice, I knew where the old sloughs were, and I knew which mm-hmm. fields still do. You know, some of those fields I'm not I'm not able to hunt anymore because I don't own it or or don't farm it. But mm-hmm. um, if I do obtain them, you know, you can believe that I'm thinking duck hunting just <laughs> yeah yeah take advantage definitely, of it yeah. definitely yeah for sure okay well you've kind of i mean my my last question here for the for the tactics side of things you've kind of been uh really giving us the answer to it um as we've walked through here but maybe just to kind of put it into a nice neat little uh answer or a package here i guess for us to kind of unpack when we go to listen to this again in the future um, because i am highly interested in this this is this is fascinating information um can you just from your your decades of experience and and really having to fine-tune your approach because of as a guide i'm sure there is a certain amount of pressure there that you you need to you know get your clients on birds and things like that what is like your super efficient and i mean you don't have to give away any trade secrets here or anything <laughs> but uh what is your what is your tj scott go to approach for uh a typical day of waterfowl hunting in the late season we'll say you have you know from from first light of, of legal hunting hours to last light of legal hunting hours to hunt? Well, I tell people all the time that duck hunting is a whole lot like farming. Once you think you got it figured out, it'll teach you that you don't have it figured out. Mm-hmm. So I, I start off with that. It's just, um, but late season hunting, you know, these, these birds have seen every bit of motion that that's on the market. Sure. Um, They've seen that they've looked at decoys from Canada all the way down to the Gulf. 
Mm. Okay. You don't need as many decoys. You might as well start pairing your decoys up and picking up a few of them because you don't need as many. Decoys. These these ducks, what they do is when they pair up, they're not sitting in the big wads like like they are when they're headed south. You know, once mm-hmm. they start pairing up, you'll see them just scattered here and there, maybe a dozen or two dozen. Hmm. And also a little bit of a, a trick. You don't have to be married to that pit. You know, you can hunt hunt the layouts, hunt the side of a ditch bank. Um, you see some ducks, you know, working an area, and if you have permission to hunt it, maybe they'll be hitting the ditch or, um, you know, shallow water. Don't don't be married to that pit. You know, you can move around that field or move around that area, and and you can have great success. Stay hidden, be still, call. Don't call a whole lot. You don't want to scream at them. Just just they they've already been screamed at. They've already had every trick in the book thrown at them. Hmm. do something a little different do do less decoys do less calling and you'll have great success by doing that that's that's really great yeah that's an excellent tip and something like you know somebody like me will say let's say i i did find a way to get out and go hunting uh this coming fall and maybe even just go on my own i would think the exact opposite i would think i i wasn't doing enough calling or i wasn't calling at the right times or you know, I didn't have enough decoys, but man, what a, what a big tip there. Sometimes just the fact that less is more can uh, really make Mm -hmm. a big difference. That's a, I don't, again, I don't know enough about waterfowl hunting to, to know, to know, you know, what a super advanced tip is, but that seems like a super advanced tip to me. (laughs) It sounds good anyway. It may not work, but it sounds good. (laughs) I'm sure you got the experience to back it up. Well, and, and that's, it's also encouraging too, because, you know, you figure these first gen hunters, you know, waterfowl hunting can be intimidating to get into because it's like, man, boy, I yeah. need, you know, I need eight dozen decoys and I need, you know, I, I, you know, I need the calls. I need the waiters. I need the, you know, I mean, it can, the cost can add up. So, I mean, the, the thought of man, you know, okay, you know, if I can maybe start with, you know, a couple dozen decoys, you know, depending on time of the year and, and things like that, you know, it makes it a little bit more realistic to be able to get into for some of the, the people that are new to it. No doubt. And the waterfowl industry is, is a very expensive sport. I mean, out of all of the uh, hunting, um, and I know deer hunting gets up there, or elk, or, mm-hmm. but, but waterfowl is, it has to be in the top, you know, in the top one or two oh, yeah, for sure. hunting, hunting sports. And so I encourage any, you know, any new guys don't, there's been a bunch of ducks killed over black soda, you know, soda, plastic soda bottles painted black and <laughs> yeah. used to get ducks over milk jugs. And, and, um, if you're on the spot that day, just don't call a whole lot, you know, practice your call at home and and just just sit still and if you're yeah. in a good spot if you're on the x you don't need that all that all that other junk just just hunt that's a, that's great that's a great tip yeah and very relevant for first-gen hunters for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you know i have a i have a good buddy who's really big into to hunting waterfowl and um in fact i think he was just down in oklahoma uh couple weeks ago because he heard there's gonna be a bunch of birds down there so he went and uh he uh posted this hilarious meme once on social media and it was a picture of a of a dad and his like 10 year old son trudging through a a a duck pit and uh there's you know and their waiters and everything and the kid asks his dad he's like dad is there any way to become a millionaire as a as a hunter and he's like yes son start out as a billionaire (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like, yep, that is that is very true. You could say that for you could say that for deer hunting. You could say that for fishing. Uh, it's yeah. it's easy to get a little carried away for sure. For yes. sure. Yes. I'll tell you, in the outfitter business, you know that the. the I don't get to keep a whole lot of money ready. That's the truth of the matter. I, I roll that money back in. And, um, yeah. as far as pocketing any money, my wife has to kind of get on to me sometimes. She's like, you need to start making something, but it just always, <laughs> yeah. roll itself back up in there. I don't know how it happens, but it does. Yep. Yep. That's for sure. Well, and you know, just, yeah. one, just one more plug here for, for, uh, guide services, you know, especially with, I think, it's probably a little bit more so this way with fishing because fishing truly feels like, man, all I need is a fishing pole and a tackle box and I can go catch whatever I want if I just learn how to do it the right way. But going back to that salmon charter I did, I quickly learned that to do this on my own would almost be impossible. I mean, Mm -hmm. just the, the gear that you would need the very the very species specific gear for catching those king salmon you had to have mm-hmm. that would just be way too expensive to try and invest in that on your own and so i think that's where people don't realize it maybe but guide services can allow you to do something that maybe you just want to try it out to see if you're going to like it maybe you want to yeah. just do it a few times a year but you don't want to spend all the money on all that extra stuff, man, go to a good uh-huh. guide like, like TJ and they'll have the gear for you. And, and, um, you'll be able to, to hunt with some of the best stuff around and, uh, get the full experience without having to, you know, put up the cash for all that stuff yourself and then find a place to store it. And plus you get, you yeah. know, great, great, uh, areas to hunt. So I think that's no yeah, it's definitely worth it to go with a guide. Well, we sure we sure pride ourselves in uh, bringing people hunting. We love taking, you know, people that have, mm-hmm. haven't been on, you know, duck hunt, or maybe a dad who went duck hunting, you know, twenty years ago, and it's his son's first duck hunt. You know, sure, that's the best. When you bring these kids hunting that never, never even seen ducks and geese, and they're just amazed to watch these thousands of of birds just migrate. And, yeah, uh, that you, know, you talk about it, that. That's where the thrill is. It's it's a truly a passion of ours just to bring people, you know, to our home and, and to share yeah. what we what we've done our entire life. I mean, it's you know something to us that isn't very special. It's 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 amazing to other folk and we just enjoy sharing it. Yeah, yeah. And one and how cool too to to be able to be alongside someone like you, TJ, who you you know, obviously knows what you're doing and how much guys can even learn from it. You know, they might think man, I don't know where to start. And then they, they'll say, you know what, man, I'm going to do, uh, you know, I'm going to use an outfitter. I'm going to use TJ, you know, man. And you go out and then you pick up some things, you know, you learn some things as you go. And I mean, that's obviously you're really passionate about, you know, getting guys into it, have helping them have a great time. And, and that can many times I'm sure springboard to man, you know what, I want to try to get out there and, and learn more myself. So, I mean, it's really cool that that can act as a springboard. Yeah, no doubt, man. Like I said, I have guys who have come on guided hunts or, and then, you know, two or three years later, they'll be leasing a pit from me. And, and, uh, and, uh, we have a little store here that I sell decoys and stuff. And so, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I'm all for it. That's what I'm here for is, is I'm, I'm, I'm a waterfowl guy, waterfowl industry guy, and, and, I'm um, here to help people. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. man. 
special, man. I mean, it's cool that you're that you really are able to to see the value in you know creating memories, you know, and these guys, like you said, mentioned father, son, you know, father, son, group of guys, you know, family coming out. I mean, you know, that some of this stuff, you know, it, it's interesting because I mean, I know even growing up, you know, uh, you know, out here in Delaware, uh, we, we know, we don't have wild pheasants, you know, we're not blessed like Iowa and, and, you know, like that. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, first, one of the first hunts that I did, you know, you know, guided hunts was just, you know, uh, you know, going and, and, you know, going on a pheasant hunt at a preserve and, you know, watching the dogs work the pheasants. And I mean, that was like, I mean, that was the, like you were saying, you know, with, you know, kids going out or, you know, father, son, whatever. I mean, watching that was like the most amazing thing I, I'd ever seen, you know, and to experience that. And I mean, to, to, that, you know, part of that, you know, just helps grow, the, the passion for hunting, you know, you, I can imagine being a, be, like you mentioned that scenario, you know, a, a father who maybe hadn't been hunting in years and man, I want to get back into it and I want, want to get my children into it, but man, you know, where do I start, you know, and, and getting them started off, you know, learning and seeing some birds and having some experiences. I mean, that just really can jumpstart the passion that hopefully would last for the rest of, of their lives. So, I mean, that's really cool that you can have a hand in creating that. It's, it's a blessing, brother. It really is. Yeah, man, yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. And it's good for not just the duck hunting industry, but it's good for uh, the entire hunting industry. And, and um, yeah. you know, just because of the way it's set up, how that money um, kind of trickles down the line, mm-hmm. what's usually good financially for hunting is also good for wildlife. And um, yeah. I'm sure there's probably some people out there that say, how can that be? You're like, spending your money to try and kill the wildlife well uh you know those those bag limits and and uh you know uh things like that they're set to be healthy for the population healthy management mm-hmm. healthy conservation but also that money yep. is put into habitat pro- projects um, research for um, different uh, diseases that that affect wildlife and um mm-hmm you know, uh, hunter training programs to get more people in spending more of that, that those dollars to go back to that. And so, yeah, it's, it's just great to invest in people who maybe have that interest or need to just get that interest rekindled. And so, yeah, that's, that's awesome that you're able to do that through uh Kilmo ducks. The most, um, the, the, the people who care the most about wildlife, or conservation of wildlife are the hunters. I mean, yes. that's just the bottom mm, yeah. line. Bottom line. I know y'all know yeah. that. And also, I, I like to put the economy. You know, these people that are coming hunting in Southeast Missouri, they're going to eat, eat at Burger King. They're yeah. shopping at Walmart for any weenies, and um, so it helps the economy as a whole too. I mean, it brings yes. brings money into the to our little part of the world. You know, that wouldn't yeah. Yeah. see that. So well, yeah, and and I mean, I absolutely agree with you, and and I I think it's. It's really interesting because, you know, what what people really want, I mean, what we all realize as the older we get, all we have is time. And, you know, what you want to do with that with time is to have experiences that will uh, will last a lifetime in terms of creating those memories. And I mean, so a lot of, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I know when I was growing up, you know, my family was very poor, you know, for, for a, a while, you know, while I was growing up and then my dad was able to take over his father's business and, you know, we were able to, to, you know, benefit from that, whatever. But I mean, I remember, you know, my parents saving up money and, and us doing some things that, you know, and very similar, you know, a lot of these families, man, like, Hey, let's, man, we could do something, but man, let's go on a hunt, 
you know, and, and yeah. let's, let's create some memories. Let's have some experiences. And so, I mean, people are willing to spend money to do that, to create memories with the people that they love, you know, because it's an experience, you know, and, and yep. so it, it's really cool to that, that not only does that happen, but then the chain effect, like, like TJ said of the economy and of everything else, you know, and that's, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's a beautiful type of chain effect that, that you want to see. And, you know, then, you know, someone like me, who's, you know, uh, 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 you know, a second generation hunter, you know, man, I want the same thing in, in my kids. You know, I saw my dad, you know, put time and effort to, to create memories with us growing up hunting and fishing. And man, now I want to, you know, create those same experiences, you know, have those same experiences, you know, not, not, Hey, let's go, let's go, you know, drop money on, you know, a four wheeler. Well, you know, let's, how about instead let's, let's go out in the woods and go for a walk, you know, let's try to go duck hunt. Let's, you know, let's go deer hunt, whatever, you know, to, to have those experiences and that time together. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it was funny. I was just deer hunting the other day and I was, you know, I was sitting in a, uh, you know, I was sitting in deer stand and across the way I could see an old, uh, box blind. You know, I've seen it for ages, but it's, it's on another property across the ditch. And, you know, you, you ever look at an old, you know, blind or, or whatever, and you think, Man, you know, I would have loved to have seen, you know, what a hunter may have seen out of that in the years hmm. past. And, you know, I, it just reminded me, you know, really all we do have is time, you know, and, and really yeah. taking advantage of it and not just letting it go by, you know, is important. And, you know, what, what better way in the context of enjoying the outdoors, doing it with people that you love and that you care about? I mean, there's, there's really no better way to spend. If you're going to spend some time and money, there's not really a better way to do it, you know? It's either, it's either Duck Hunter Disney World. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh, well, hey, I mean, they got they got Donald Duck, so I mean, hey, that's all good. <laughs> I don't. I got, I got fireworks, but they're different kind of fireworks, you know. <laughs> that could be a good T-shirt. It's either it's either Duck Hunting or Disney World. I like that. That's good. Oh that's man. Good. Well, we've kind of talked around it here a little bit, and and. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your evening here, TJ, but, uh, what's some three years of hunting, what are some, you know, just have to have these things, pieces of late season gear that you feel, uh, waterfowl hunters, maybe, and, and maybe they don't have to have them, but certainly they'll be able to hunt more comfortably. And oftentimes when we can hunt more comfortably, we hunt more effectively, uh, what, what would you recommend that's very specific to just the late season? One thing I have really been, uh, adamant about these last, I'd say this year, especially is, uh, layout blinds. Hmm. Um, I, I actually have the Mo Marsh brand are, are specifically when that comes to mind just because hmm. they have legs, but you're able to move around. Um, like I said, that pit's been hunted that same spot, same blinds been hunted all season long. And the birds, you know, oftentimes they know where that, where that spot's at. They've seen those decoys. But if you have a layout, a good layout blind, you can move around. And, um, and that, that's one that I think that every, every duck hunter needs is a good layout. Mm -hmm. Sure. Just gives you that mobility that, um, and you can stay hidden. It just gives Mm -hmm. you, gives you options, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And again, you know, we keep bringing up deer hunting here because that's the context we know, but that's, uh, actually the last episode that I, I, uh, released last week, the tip of the day for that episode was essentially the same thing for the late season. If the birds aren't where you're at, you got to move and, uh, yeah. they're, they're somewhere, 
or in the case for the deer, you know, if the deer aren't there, you got to move. And it sounds like it's the same way for the, the birds. So yeah, having a blind like that, that sounds like that's basically the, uh, hang on the hang on stand or the saddle, uh, for, uh, duck hunting. It sounds like is being able to, uh, be mobile like that and, and get to a better spot. And, and it's, I think it's fun that, you know, it can be frustrating if you're trying to fill a tag, if you're deer hunting or you're trying to hit your limit and you're, you're duck hunting. But I think it's fun when the um, game we're pursuing can kind of figure us out like that a little bit. It, you know, just adds to, I think Brandon calls it the chess match, adds to the chess mm-hmm. match a little bit where you got to be able to do that. So that's a great tip. That's, that's something that people can definitely very practically apply to their approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine at uh, Kilmo, you guys got a few... Uh, furry uh hunting teammates uh out there um is that is that a good assumption oh no doubt i have I actually have a four-month-old pup he's a lab and he is i'm, I'm in my bedroom and he's about to beat down the door wanting in here right now you he <laughs> talking, talking about a boy in a china cabinet mm-hmm. i tell you he's uh he's, he's, go, huh? he's something special though i'm proud of him his name's boat you know when i got him I thought my son wanted to name him Boat. I thought like a boat in a nut. You know what I mean? Like a 916 yeah. boat. He yeah. said, no, Dad, like a lightning boat. He said, I want to get him a collar, a camo collar with the lightning boat dog. <laughs> so, that's awesome. He's, that's a, good, he's a stud. That's a good him. name. That's, that's a, awesome. That's a really good name. Well, and I'm sure that's part of the enjoyment of, you know, even the, the hunting as an outfitter or even, you know, if you were, you know, hunting yourself and, and had a dog, you know, working the dog, training the dog, seeing it, you know, the dog have success in retrieving. I mean, I'm sure that's a big part of it as well. No doubt. No doubt. Andrew, my, one of my guides, he's actually my little cousin. He has a dog that's, that's been ribboned like three times and uh, bear, nice. bear is a, I mean, bear is a phenomenal dog hmm. and I've hunted with I've hunted with some of the best dogs in the country, no doubt. I mean, I've hunted with some yeah. great dogs, not mine personally, but yeah. uh, but people that that I know and and uh, man, you talk about it makes the experience. I mean, that's for those guys, especially when it's your dog. That's what yeah. makes the hunt. It's what makes the hunt. Just watching your dog work. Oh sure. yeah, sure. Well, kind of with going with this uh, theme here of the late season still, are there any breeds that you recommend that just seem to hold up really well, even in the cold water during and ice during the late season? I mean, right here in my area, I don't see a whole lot of, of, of ice. You know, we, we get cold, but like I said, we don't get just, just crazy cold. Sure. So there's not really just, I've not, I've never hunted with a, with the bad dog, you know, I have had one I had to send to the truck, but I haven't, really, <laughs> there's not really one that stands out more so than the other. I would, I wouldn't think. Sure. Do you, do you tip, do you use, do you use a lot of le- le- use labs and retrievers or what do you, what do you typically use? Yeah. Labs, labs. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, Chad, another boy that helps me guide, he actually has a pointer, um, oh. you know, like a, but, she, but she, she retrieves it's, it's, she's a, crazy crazy good dog very cool hmm. yeah that's neat she she can do both she can point and retrieve and so wow okay herself and himself and um the only thing is he has to take a shotgun shell and kind of throw it out there to where the bird is but but uh whenever he throws <laughs> it it'll just go get it man it's it's pretty cool that is neat man that's awesome yeah that's really cool so uh do you 
Do you have any tips then if uh, you get a dog that you mentioned you had to send one back to the truck, but do you put vests on your dogs this time of year just to kind of give them that little bit of extra insulation hopping into the cold water? Yeah, no doubt. They need that vest. They need that vest. If it's below, if it's below 30, they need that vest. I mean, Mm, um, that, and I would recommend if anybody, you know, goes to an outfitter and is bringing their dog, just, um, for one, make, make sure it's a good dog. You know, don't, don't say I got a great dog. I got a great dog. And then you get out there knowing that you're, you're trying to train the dog, you know, outfitters aren't right. here you train your dog you know if you have yeah. a good dog that outfitter most of the time wants to watch that dog work but yeah agree he's not here we're not shooting ducks to train your dog you know mm-hmm. get him trained and then bring him you know take him dove yeah. hunting and then and then bring him duck hunting you know yeah that, it is not a complaint i mean i've always sent one to the truck um but at the same time you know you just just kind of take that in consideration yeah no, that's yeah. good that's a good point a really good point so, uh, are, are you guys having to change their diets at all or anything like that during the late season? I guess it probably, probably not so much there. It sounds like just because it doesn't really dip so low, but I think I have heard of some, uh, gun dog handlers, you know, kind of changing up what they're feeding their dog, maybe give them a little bit more high fat or high protein, uh, during, uh, I suppose quite a bit of carbs as well for that matter. So probably just more food in general uh, to kind of help them keep up with that heat loss or is that really just not much of an issue for you guys? Yes. We lean on the veterinarian. I mean, what the vet says, that's what we do. Kind of like a, mm-hmm. you know, a doctor. I mean, the doctor tells us to go on a diet. That's who we, that's what we listen to. You know? Yeah. 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 yeah you're right. Everybody here, we got, you know, there's very good local vets and um, we just lean on them heavy whatever they say that's what we do yeah sure well tj this has been uh man just a ton of fun it's been great getting to know you a little bit and we definitely got to have you back on the show sometime and brandon and i definitely need to book a trip with uh kilmo ducks down there in uh yes. South. what do you call it the boot heel of missouri is that is that what locals call it the boot heel of missouri if you look on a map you can see um down here in the boot heel we're actually Arkansas didn't want us, and Missouri don't claim us. And so, uh, <laughs> pretty much in Arkansas, we just um, if you look at a map, you kind of see what the boot hill, what the boot hill is. Sure. No, that's cool. <laughs> that's that's really that's cool. Good. I like that. Yeah. Well, how can people find Kilmo Ducks? You guys got some social media pages, website. Of course, uh, Facebook, uh, Kilmo Ducks. We're on Instagram. We are on uh, LinkedIn, uh, TikTok, even Snapchat, of course. But um, all social media, and then of course killmoducks.com. And that's that's where I always direct everybody. Just check out my website. I'm really proud of my website. Um, I'm really proud of of what I do for the waterfowl industry, and um, mm-hmm. I love to help people take people hunting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And as I stated earlier in this episode, it is a bang up website it's really and Mm -hmm. and that reflects the the deep level of care that tj puts into his business so definitely check that out and that's killmoducks.com correct killmoducks.com yes sir k-i-l-l-m-o ducks.com and i'll uh, put links to that in the show notes on this episode so make sure uh after you get done listening to it scroll down a little bit below and you'll find those links link up with them on social media book a trip 
Don't bring your uh, untrained gun dog, though. Make sure you put in those hours with your gun dog. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But uh, definitely go get on. Hey, if your gun dog needs to train, we can take him dove hunting come September. There you go. Hey, there you yeah. go. Yeah. It's serious when it comes to duck hunting. We, we take it pretty serious. Yeah, no, I don't blame you at all, for sure. And then uh, after you're done checking out Kilmo Ducks, make sure you head over to thehuntfishlife.com. Brandon, where else can people find you guys? Yeah, on social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and and, uh, hopefully excited for a good end to the season. We've got, you know, just had some, man, had some really close encounters and had, you know, just a few sweet new bucks show up so man hopefully we'll have some exciting news here finishing the season the last couple of weeks so we'll see what happens yeah good deal definitely definitely follow along there at hunt fish life and then of course head over to firstgenhunter.com you can link up with me on instagram facebook and you can even uh, link up on go wild or linkedin and uh, be happy to connect with you there and be sure to also check out the youtube channel and i'm promise you i have some footage i've i've finally made the the transfer over to the computer and i just got to put it all together get another couple uh youtube videos up there so you guys can see how uh, hunting season went this fall but we are nearing the end here folks we're we're in the we're in the final hours and Mm -hmm. um you know these last few weekend trips you might have lined up we truly hope you have the best luck we hope you stay safe and uh, most importantly, as you're making those plans, be sure to take care and take someone hunting. <laughs>